Hey, movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 74 with a kind of different concept that one movie in particular sparked this whole discussion, but uh, I'll discuss that movie in particular later, but our discussion for today is great scenes in bad movies. Ever seen a movie that you're just like, oh gosh, that was terrible? But at least they had that one redeeming thing. That one scene, they're like, all right, maybe it was at least a little bit worth it. That's what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get into all that, Josh, how you doing tonight? I'm good, man. I'm chilling like a villain. It's just, yeah, it's been a week. How's the head? You know? I'm, I'm sorry? How's the head? Oh, it's good. It's, it's better than last week. Uh... I had a match this past weekend that was a lot of fun. Uh, did my first heel uh, version of um, women. Do- this is why women shouldn't be in wrestling and stuff. Because we had a <laughs> we had a, a, a female ref, and I asked for, I asked her how she'd feel about it first before I did it. But like she obviously she did the she did the 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 two you know like i thought i had the pin what two i was like two two and like all of the crowd was like yeah she said two and I'm like this is why you don't let women do a man's job and just like went back to like going after people it was Ooh, fun old school were, heel heat right there oh yeah and everyone's like oh screw this guy and meanwhile the ref is sitting there trying not to laugh good work um so um we need like an actual like name for this segment of like, what are we watching or stuff we just watched or <laughs> what yeah. we're watching. Yeah, I, honestly, let's just call it that. What we're watching. Because, what we're I mean, watching. Um, so what I watched uh, over the weekend, uh, Heather was at work, so I visited her. Night. No, that was the week before with Invisible Man. Um, during the day, it was so weird. Like, normally a movie opens Thursday night, and I will see it Thursday night. This didn't open until Friday morning, which is the weirdest thing um, across the board. No theaters are showing this at all Thursday night. Needless to say, I saw it Friday morning. Uh, the Way Back, the latest film by Ben Affleck and director Gavin O'Connor, who to me is one of the most criminally underrated directors, who did uh, Miracle Warrior, which I think I like Warrior. Uh, for those that have been listening long enough, um, and The Accountant, which I have not seen The Accountant, but I just got it from the library this weekend, so I will be watching it this week. I've heard great things about The Accountant. You've seen The Accountant, right, Josh? Yeah, yeah it's pretty good, man. Um, a good time. Yes. His latest endeavor was a movie called The Way Back, which um, you could tell from the trailers right off the bat was going to be, uh, let's just say, a little personal for Ben Affleck as... Tell me this doesn't sound a little bit on the nose of it is a recovering has been a, a specific field that he used to be good at, but he's no longer because he's become a raging alcoholic that's destroyed most of his life and career. Hmm. Uh, life imitating art a little bit there. It, it, while not Gavin O'Connor's best, I still think that is probably worry. It is really, really good. And it's one of those roles that I don't think anybody other than Ben Affleck could have played it just because it is so personal to him and the character is so uniquely tied to him um it is a lot harder to watch than warrior like warrior is that inspirational feel-good sports movie and 
the trailers kind of play up that old school like Hoosiers vibe. The basketball is not as prevalent as you would think. It is very much about Ben Affleck's character's journey, and I I like that. It was um, really well performed. It really just solid across the board. It's if you can find it, check it out. It was really good. By no means is it Gavin O'Connor's best movie. Um, I liken it a lot to the movie Honey Boy with Shia LaBeouf that came out a few months ago. Of it is an actor working through some of their own personal demons through the film and kind of more or less addressing those issues in their performance. Um, to the point that like only that specific actor could have been in this role and made it work. So, is the movie a little cliched at times? Absolutely, it's a sports movie. Um, but that being said, it does those cliches well. It's a good movie. Ben Affleck should get nominated, but he probably won't because no movies in March ever do. But it's a very solid movie and pretty. It's another case of why Gavin O'Connor is supremely underrated as a director. Yeah, dude. I was uh, my brother and I are making plans to go see it, so that should be happening soon. Especially since he's on his spring break this week. Oh, very nice. Um, I was also disappointed because not in anything that happened with this movie, but as much as I'm excited for James Gunn's Suicide Squad, let's all not forget who was originally supposed to direct Suicide Squad two, Gavin O'Connor, mm-hmm. and that. As much as I am looking forward to James Gunn's version, I'm a little sad that we didn't get Gavin O'Connor. It's just because I really like all of his films. Um, that being said, we're not completely devoid of DC-related things this week, as I feel like we called this a few weeks back that soon enough we'll be seeing our first look at the Robert Pattinson Batmobile. And it looks like now we officially have. And I'm going to repeat the joke that I said the minute that I saw this picture um, of, guys, it's literally Fast and Furious 10. My parents are dead. I mean, basically. But, like, at the same time, like, there, it's, dude, I'm telling you, I am digging this, like, Batman 60, the 60s Batman, Batman U1 vibe that they have going right now. Like, this is completely different than everything we've seen up to this point. Yes, I think that's what's turning some people off. Some people want to complain of, well, I like the Ben Affleck one better. It's just like, it's the same thing. You hated it then, now. You hated it then, but yeah. you love it now. Uh, the controversy with Batman, anything, is nothing new. I agree with you. This car looks sick. Um, I forget what comic artist or Batman creator said it, but he's like, the goal of the Batmobile is every kid should want to drive the Batmobile. I want to drive this car, and I'm not even a car person. This, yes. oh man, like, if, this is the type of car that the song Riding Dirty, they're probably driving this car. Yeah. The, the, so the, the main comment that I'm seeing in, uh, in the, you know, on, on the pictures is like, oh, well, you know, it's the Batmobile. It should be you know, better than every car. It should look different than every How car. How is this not there, better blah, than blah, every blah. car? Yeah, I was like, like, you take one look at the back of that thing. Like, that thing is going to go. I forget who like, said I think it was Jeffrey Wright that was just like, yeah, it looks pretty, but wait till you hear it revved up. I'm going, oh. Yeah. I think that that's that's the big thing for me, too, I think, is that it 
I, I saw this and went back and read some of my Batman comics. Like I, I grew up like one of the first comics I ever got was like a collect, a collection of Batman, like old school Batman stories. And this looks exactly like his Batmobile from those stories, specifically from when he had his uh, gray and blue suit. Hmm. We are not letting that die, people. It's gonna happen at some point. Um, what I, I guarantee. Also think I can almost guarantee that are like poo-pooing on the Batmobile are also the same ones that are going, well, the suit doesn't look as bad now. I'm kind of getting used to the suit. Yeah. It's just like, no duh, because you're getting used to it. And also seeing Batman next to the Batmobile, it's going to make it look great. Um, yeah. It look, the bat suit, that's clearly Pattinson in it this time, uh, as opposed to like yes. those leaked pictures of the stunt double falling over on the bat uh, cycle or whatever they're going to call it. Yeah. This just looks legit. It looks so good. Well, and here's the thing. Like, uh, and, you know, I can already hear people like, oh, Pattinson's not doing all of his own stunts. It's, I mean, it's not a requirement to do your own stunts. A lot of actors don't do their own stunts. Christian Bale didn't do his own stunts for any of the Mm -hmm. Dark Knight trilogy. He had Buster Reeves do it. And he barely does anything in those trilogies. <laughs> he really doesn't do a whole lot. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, uh, I'm excited with this direction they're going. Um, real quick, I uh, noticed some this, that there's something not on this list of news. Uh, it might be some stuff. I, if it's anything to do with Thor, I'm saving that for next week. Okay. Cool. Just because be I didn't, then. I don't know what's. We have a lot of stuff to cover this week, and I don't know what's ahead for next week. And given that this dropped earlier today, I was just like, you know what? We could save that for next week's. Fair enough. Okay. Cool. The Thor so thing. And I feel like there's something else that dropped today too that we'll probably yeah, cover next there was, week. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that. Uh, yeah, I, which is weird that I'm keeping up with news. I, I don't wonder. That's, Good for that's you. What, I know, right? I'm so proud. Um, um, I will say. As this Batmobile, like it's, we're getting more and more like official stuff. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if we get more character posters soon. Um, I, this is my last shot at this before um, we like really, because filming is going to be done soon. Uh, and then we're probably going to go in a quiet place. And mm-hmm. see what I did there. Um, yeah. This is my last shot and I'm going to take it because why not? I think by the end of this month, we will get official confirmation of either a circus or a Dick Grayson. Okay. Because, and this is the most tinfoil theory hat. That Wow. The most tinfoil hat theory there that I may have ever had on this podcast. And that is saying something. Yeah. Um, but... Circle it on the calendar. Towards the end of this month is March 20th. In the comics, that's Dick Grayson's birthday. And we just had the 80th anniversary of the Robin character in the comics. He made his debut 80 years ago. March 20th is Dick Grayson's birthday in comic continuity. I wouldn't be surprised as if like a fun tease or fun Easter egg if Matt Reeves tease something up or teases something on March 20th. Circle that date just in case. You're such a nerd. Of course <laughs> I would know this. 
<laughs> I mean, I say that knowing what, like all of this discussions that we've had, but yeah, that'd be cool. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I think I would prefer if we got kind of a hint of the villain situation more than I, cause I love Dick, but <laughs> okay. I like Dick Grayson. I like Dick Grayson. Oh, Jesus. It's a PG show, dude. I know. I can't believe it. Like, I did, that was because I, I was trying to talk about Dick Grayson. Anyway. Um, you watch. He'll, like, uh, tweet a picture of just a bird, and that's it. Yeah. I can, I, okay. I'll, I'll accept that. I, I, I just – I think a circus would be best – kind of i think like what we talked about maybe in like an, a post credit scene or just like that shouldn't like as excited as we are to get to that that shouldn't necessarily be the focus yeah i'm not entirely convinced dick grayson as a whole will be in it i think either Haley circus or some mention of him will be in it uh so we can introduce pattinson to the world first uh, yes. but yeah getting back to the batmobile this thing looks sick it's something the Batmobile should be something everyone should envy and want and just be a sweet ride. I'm tired of, at least for the time being, I'm tired of the armored tank Batmobile. Yeah. Um, I liked the Tumbler fine enough. Um, mixed on the Batman v Superman uh, Batmobile. Uh, by and large, I don't hate it. I just think the fins look kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I, I want more sporty Batmobile. I grew up on the Batman animated series Batmobile, which is still one of my favorite designs ever. That's kind of more like a classic old school sportster. And I'm glad we're getting more of that like sleek, really awesome, um, just the fast car design this time as opposed to just another tank. It makes it different. And again, everything we're seeing so far with this movie is just different, which is what this needs more than anything else. I would agree. So, Let's uh, now that we've come to the kind of the end of that discussion. Uh, nah, man, I was gonna try to be like real clever and do a great segue into Last of Us, but I, I'm not that smart tonight. Last of Us, I'm gonna go rejoice <laughs> in the streets now, guys, just because. Oh, I'm very oh, I'm so happy right now. I'm just I squealed like a little girl when this news came oh, out. Yeah. So, um, for those that haven't heard, The Last of Us is a widely popular video game series exclusive to the PlayStation. So suck it, Xbox and PC people. We have a one-up on you. Um, this is pro- without hyperbole. The Last of Us is probably one of the most universally beloved and one of the greatest video games ever made in terms of pure narrative. Of uh, There's, I believe... After the there's games before the Last of Us and games after the Last of Us. Of Last of Us proved to people you can have movie quality storytelling in your video games. Um, yeah, and it's other than Uncharted, Last of Us is the one video game adaptation that people have been practically begging for ever since the game came out. Um, but now we are not getting it as a movie. We are getting it as a TV series on HBO by the creators of Chernobyl, which I have not seen Chernobyl, but I heard excellent things about. Um, but the other part of that is while they're creating this series, they're also working with the original video game director and the director of The Last of Us Part Two, the original game director, Neil Druckmann, 
with this uh, show. So the guy that created The Last of Us will be working with the showrunners of this show, more or less, to bring Last of Us uh, to the forefront. I have a lot of excited thoughts to say about this, but Josh, um, have you played Last of Us? Are you excited? Are you not? What are you thinking about this announcement? Um, so I haven't played it all the way through, uh, which has always been a regret of mine. Um, partially because you can only play through the first two hours so many times. Dude, I feel you. Like, okay, I want to play that game so many times, but I always get stuck after the first two hours. Not because it's hard, but I'm just like, I played it so many times it gets repetitive and annoying. I was just like, can I just skip to once I pick up Ellie type of thing? Yeah, exactly. And part of that was like, I didn't, I, for a long time, I didn't have my own PlayStation. So I just had to play on other people's and that, that just happened to be the amount of time that I would get to. Um, that being said, they're going to break us, break our hearts in the first episode. And I don't know if I'm ready for that, but I, I don't think, think it'll be the first episode. As long as they don't. Ooh, you think we're, you, you don't think we'll start with the outbreak? Nope. I think, no, I think we will start with the outbreak for the first episode, but I don't think the defining event of Joel's life won't happen until maybe the second episode. Because okay. I can see that the get, real get to tragedy know Joel what happened a little bit before. is that we got time with her. Um, we literally played as her. That's why it was so shocking what happened. Um, I'm trying not to okay, spoil you know, it for yeah, those that you, haven't played right. it. Is you literally play as yeah. her. And you were so invested in that character, even if it was just a little bit of time. So I would like You're to see right. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I would like to see that, like, be invested before I break my heart. And oh, I'm sure my heart's going to be broken with Last of Us Part Two. I'm sure that's going to be even yeah. more emotionally gut wrenching. Um, my expectations are very high for that game. Um, I would agree. I uh, the big thing that I I am both worried but also excited about is that it's HBO. A, it's HBO, man. Like, they're not going to pull their punches on this, which is that exactly what you what you can't do with Last of Us is pull your punches. Like, they've got to go all out with this thing, and especially to not make it like a Walking Dead knockoff, right? Um, but B, it's also HBO. <laughs> and coming off of Game of Thrones, like, and how they finish that, I don't blame HBO at all for that, though, because HBO told Benioff and Weiss, you can have as much time as you need for these last seasons. It was Benioff and Weiss that were just like, no, we don't need full-length seasons for some reason. Yeah. Okay. Well, then I'm not too as worried about it then. But HBO doesn't milk the franchises like AMC does with Walking Dead. I I just – that is going to be – a concern for me is that I, with last of us, it has to have an end. Like it can't be like walking dead where we're just going to go until our fan base loses all interest and goes away. Yeah. Um, I would like at least like the first episode to, to be the world before the outbreak. Maybe there's like civil unrest even before the virus spreads. Um, and that mm-hmm. just only intensifies things. I am just beyond excited just because I've been waiting for the movie. And I'll be honest, I'm more excited for a series than I am a movie. Because a lot of people are just like, this would make a this video game would make a great movie or this would make a great series. 
the thing with Last of Us is the world that they inhabit feels like one that I want to see fleshed out more. Just of how the world mm-hmm. survives or exists or the factions within it, like the Fireflies or um, what Joel did before meeting Ellie. Um, just There's a lot of things about the world that was kind of hinted at. And maybe we'll get that even in the second game before this series comes. But I just... I'm a huge fan of The Last of Us. It was actually the first game that I played on the PS4 because it came with my PS4, like the remastered edition. So mm-hmm. everything up until Uncharted 4 was kind of just a disappointment after playing Last of Us. It was just like, well, this is good, but um, no Last of Us. But then again, it's like saying, yeah, this movie's good, but it's not The Dark Knight. It's because very few things are to that yeah. level of quality. And I'm going through it oh, right now, actually, to get ready for the second one. And I'm looking at it going, this still looks better visually than most games that come out today. Which is insane. It just, they took, nobody expected, like, that game to really be much. It, like, when there wasn't really any trailers too. for it. It's not, yeah. like, based oh, off completely. of anything. Which is also very rare as well. So, Regardless, I'm excited to see uh, what what information they're going to be posting here soon. I think the big awaited news that we're all waiting on is who's going to play Joel, who's going to play Ellie. Yep. Because um, so it, it, I mean, it it shouldn't be Ellen Page. I think she's too old now. No, somebody pitched, and yes, was, yes, a thousand times yes. Uh, Kaylin Dever, who. If you know the show Last Man Standing, she's the youngest daughter in that, as well as she was in the movie Booksmart. Is it the girl that I sent you? Yes. Okay. Yeah, she looks yeah, the then, part. Yeah, she's absolutely. also a great actress. Yeah, exactly. That would be great. For um, Joel, I have two options. The one that everyone wants and the one I think everyone's sleeping on. Uh, the one everyone wants, myself included, like money's no object, let's get this man. Hugh Jackman, obviously. Yeah. Because Logan is essentially the last of us. He it's essentially, yes. <laughs> now, the name um, that everyone's sleeping on, at least because he's kind of out of the public eye for now, because he's slowly but surely making a comeback, getting himself healthy again. And maybe it's just because I just saw him with a beard in a movie. I think Ben Affleck would be a great Joel. Uh, and uh, here's the thing is this could very much also be very therapeutic for him because Joel is dealing with a lot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, oh, it yeah. could be good. I think I still think the one that I saw, which is uh, Nikolai the Castor guy Waldo. that played Jamie Lannister. Huh? Yeah, Nikolai Castor Waldo. I could see that too. And he's yeah, already got the I, HBO connection. I could. He does, and I think the big thing for me is he's kind of like a like a fresh-ish face, you know, quote-unquote. Um, but I don't know. We'll see, man. I, it, honestly, as long as it's not like Bill Hader or something out of the blue, I think we'll be all right. Even Bill Hader? Actually, I wouldn't be that mad just because he has actually done some drama. But as long as it's not like Jim Carrey being like, I'm Joel now. Yeah, uh, that would just, it would feel weird. Um, speaking of things that feel weird. It. Yeah, I do too. Uh, but speaking of things that feel weird, do you see that 
the the quote unquote last Black Widow trailer. Okay, I'm gonna be honest. They should have opened with this trailer a long time ago. Yeah, because this was by far the best Black Widow trailer we've gotten so far. Like hands down. And it's the only one that cut names in Taskmaster. Master. Is it? I'm almost certain. I'll have to go back and walk back and watch the other ones, but they do highlight I'm Taskmaster a lot certain. in the trailer, which I appreciate because there's a lot of shots of like him clearly for WWE 2K fans, basically copying someone else's move set. Yeah, clearly it's great though. It um, he's got the Wakanda forever, the Cap Shield moment. Yeah, the thing that. I was super all all on board with this trailer all the way up until the end. Agreed. I still don't get the free falling scene. That always kind of takes me out of it. The thing after that, the little comedy scene that Marvel always seems to do. I didn't dig it. That's when you just have Peter in the corner, Peter Parker, Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker in the corner going, don't hunch. Yeah, like, it was just like, okay, like, we had all this really cool stuff happen, and then all of a sudden, they're, we're gonna start, we're gonna make a joke, and it just, it felt like the action was cheapened in a weird, you know what I mean? Like, we've gotta stop, Taskmaster, this is awesome, and then don't hunch, oh, yay, family's back together, even though none of us care about these characters yet. Let's be honest, the movie's real MVP, though, is going to be David Arbor as Alexi. Well, duh. I mean, he Although just I am great. rooting for... I am rooting for um, the girl that's playing uh, Black Widow's, like, quote-unquote sister. Florence Pugh, man! World, world. if you're not familiar with her yet, get ready. She's. This is going to be the one, the, ma- the big movie that's going to make her, like, the mainstream name. Mm-hmm. Because because she's dude, she's. I didn't even realize how how much she was in even before, uh, or how much around she was before uh, fighting the, in my uh, fighting with my family. Which, yeah. by the way, I forgot to mention. I saw I saw that last week. You hadn't seen it yet. I finally. I I had I hadn't seen it. I finally saw it, and it's What'd fantastic, man. Oh, it's great. It's so uh, good. It somebody that's in. In the in the business too, there's like a lot of moments that like I recognize from me when in my training and stuff, and I was like, "Oh, dude, yes!" Like, which reminds oh, me, there's good a great stuff, man. Um, full length movie. I gotta send you. Um, oh, what's it called? But it's almost like a mockumentary that I think you would absolutely love. Uh, but yeah, Florence Pugh first met her in Fighting with My Family. She had a phenomenal 2019, just in general with Fighting with My Family, Midsommar. Um, little Women. Mm-hmm. The world is about to meet her. Like She's about to be mainstream, and I'm super excited. I will say, this trailer is kind of confirming a theory that I've had. I won't say who specifically, but this trailer kind of confirms to me a theory that I've had about who Taskmaster is. Um, just the way this trailer's edited. Let's just say, I think people are jumping to conclusions when they say the Taskmaster, when they're going, who is he? Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'll 
I'll tell you off mic, Josh, but there, this trailer confirmed a theory, to me at least, about who Taskmaster okay, is. Okay, that's fair enough. But now, yeah, this was by far the were... best trailer so far for Black Widow, and it actually makes my excitement. I've, I've known for a while that I'm going to see it, but I haven't been overly excited about it. It's just like a, well, yeah. I'll see it. I'm more excited for this than like Captain Marvel, but uh, it was more like a, this character's dead. I don't really know if I'll care. This trailer has made me care. It looks like basically the best Jason Bourne movie since the third one. Yes. Um, and to be fair, though, like it, it still feels like 10 years, like not. Yeah, no. Yeah. 10 years too late. Um, it, it still feels like we should have gotten this a while ago. But, oh well, like, you know, we're, we're getting it now. Yeah, and there, there's been rumors that this will tie into future plans, which I'm like, it's weird that we're going back to go forward, but I trust Marvel at this point. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I, we don't really have much I of a did... choice. Hmm? Say what? I said we don't really have much of a choice but to trust trust them. Yeah, I trust in Feige. Um, someone I did trust in, but I don't know if I do anymore, is Warner Brothers, because... I wasn't going to talk about the fact that we have a new Scooby-Doo trailer, but then I watched the Scooby-Doo trailer, and I need to talk about this because, if you all remember, um, I, for the most part, liked the first Scooby-Doo trailer, minus Will Forte's voice of Shaggy. I thought he sounded terrible, and I still think he sounds terrible. Um, But the job of a trailer is to make you go from kind of excited to really excited, This most recent Scooby-Doo movie has had the exact opposite effect. I have free-fallen in my excitement for this movie now because of how awful this trailer was and how much the first trailer hinted at an interesting Scooby-Doo story. This has zero connection with Scooby-Doo to me. This does not seem like an actual Scooby-Doo movie at all. There seems to be... No mystery. It's, hey, Scooby and Shaggy were taken by aliens and they're superheroes and really awful pop culture references. I cringed so hard at that Netflix joke. Oh, really? I laughed. I laughed really hard. (laughs) No, I cringed at that so hard. Also, when they have like that, uh, I'll call it the go to plaid scene where they go to like the hyperspace. Again, they go to hyperspace in a Scooby-Doo movie. The faces that Scooby and Shaggy are making that like all the video, the trailer videos are showing as their thumbnail is absolutely terrifying. Yes, it is. A little. It it is. (laughs) This trailer actually makes me really discouraged about this movie. I was just like, oh, I think you had a different movie in mind and just slapped the, rearranged the names of the characters to be the characters from Scooby-Doo instead. Because in terms of just overall presentation, it does not feel like a Scooby-Doo movie. There seems to be no mystery. The characters minus maybe Shaggy and Scooby and some elements of Velma, it doesn't feel like the characters that I know, and they'll they'll be the cop-out answer of, it's an origin story, so we can tweak with what we want. Mm, no, we had some quote-unquote origin stories for Scooby-Doo movies already with the live-action stuff, but um, this isn't doing it for me. This is making me really worried. I think it'll still do just fine at the box office, but in terms of quality, 
this is going to have to pull off a really big miracle in this next trailer in order to make me excited again. Uh, Josh, am I overreacting? Did you like the trailer? Did you not? What were your impressions of this new Scooby-Doo trailer? I, I, I enjoyed it, honestly. Like I, I maybe, I, I didn't have a severe as a reaction as you did, but I think I, I did watch it right after the black widow trailer. And I think my disappointment on how that trailer ended felt so this one felt more exciting to me fair enough i, I don't know why i but there i think this feels fun it feels like a fun kids movie i i will say agree with you there were certain elements that didn't feel like scooby-doo but at the same time it also felt like a modern take that we're not used to i guess again i still come back to and people will be like, you're just harping on it. But I harp on it because it's pretty much the core of Scooby-Doo. Where's the mystery in this? Like, they're like, there's that quick scene of um, them having a bad guy arrested. But it's still like, you hinted that you used to do that. But where's the mystery in this other than Scooby and Shaggy have been kidnapped? There doesn't seem to be like an actual mystery there. It's like a let's go get our friends back type thing. And... Given that we don't really have a whole lot of suspects in this trailer, it's clearly the superheroes, right? Uh, I would guess. I'm not really sure. It's why can't we I'm get a knives out style <laughs> Scooby Doo? We don't deserve a knives out style Scooby Doo. That would be awesome, Matthew Lillard for the next Knives Out. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not, bro. Just have like the entire cast of the first Scooby-Doo movie back for Knives Out 2. Scoob's oh, sure. out. I'm down. No, stop. No, like not even just have them there and have them an integral part of the story. And like have don't all die in the don't first even five minutes. acknowledge it. Yeah, just like they just happen to be there. That would be awesome. <laughs> and no one brings attention to it. And like, oh, and have a character, or maybe they end up being like the critical pieces to solving a mystery. And somebody's like, I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for these meddling kids. <laughs> we can dream. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm just overreacting. But yeah, that Scooby Doo trailer just really dampened my excitement. Um, unfortunately, our next news topic is pretty serious in that once again, has real-world implications as the coronavirus has been a worldwide issue um, and it's now has been affecting the box office, but now it's affecting the future box office as the next James Bond film, No Time to Die, which I believe was scheduled to come on either like April or May, has pushed its release date back to November 5th, like really pushed it out there. Um... Before I get into it, because there's actually a lot of interesting research that I put in for this, and there's actually a lot of information that goes with this. Um, you hear that this movie's getting pushed back, like, dramatically, Josh. Do you think this was a good choice? Do you think uh, it, there was really no actual danger to be had with releasing it as is? What do you think about this whole situation? I 
Okay. First of all, I think the media has blown up the whole coronavirus thing out of proportion. I agree. Um, second of all, uh, to me, pushing it that far back feels like there's other reasons why you're trying, you're wanting to to push it back, and not and just being like, well, coronavirus. So, um, here's where I'll disagree because um, they were literally just about to start their press tour, like soon. So I think they have picture lock. They're done and everything. I think this was a smart idea because of not the American box office, um, but because of the, the international box office, actually. There was an interesting stat that I heard that 38% of the box office total for the last James Bond movie, Spectre, which was awful, by the way, came from international markets. That's almost 40% of their total revenue came internationally. Now, we don't have any box office restrictions here in America with the coronavirus. We don't have any, like, lockdowns. But a lot of other countries do right now for their own safety. And admittedly, a lot of other countries probably have it worse than us right now in terms of how many people are affected and how many people have died. Um, so that's why there's been more precautions. So I actually think this is probably a safe choice by... Um, the people doing No Time to Die, I think this was a the smart choice. And frankly, it's one that Disney probably should have made with Mulan a long time ago. And I've made that very clear because I think that's definitely going to hurt the box office at the end of the day for Mulan. Um, not here in the States, but definitely internationally where they clearly were hoping that that would be a big market for them. Uh, also, and this could just be me. I uh, always think that November is a great time for a James Bond movie. It doesn't have to be in wintertime. I saw Skyfall um, in the fall. That's when that came out was more in that October, November-ish time. So I think the time slot works in its advantage more. Um, but yeah, I think they've said that they're going to be taking like a $30 million hit by pushing this back. I think in the long run, this will be a good thing for them. Yes, they're going to be hurting temporarily, but given how much of the box office Bond relies upon for international markets and given how much more restrictions there are internationally right now with theater going experience because of the coronavirus, I think this is probably a safe bet for now. And I'd be curious to see if other um, films going forward will be taking the lead with this and pushing their films back. <coughs> Mulan. Yeah, I we, we will see. I I'm I'm not entirely sure because uh, there's some reports coming out that the for the most part, um, the world has already started to kind of recover uh, from Corona. So I, I don't know. I'm not really the uh, a. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know everything that's going on because I'm. You know, I live in my own little bubble, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I, at least for a movie studio, I think it never hurts to be safe. It, it's always better to be safe than sorry. And in this case, they're being overly cautious, which could be a good thing, could be a bad thing. We'll have to check back in November when the film actually comes out. But for the time being, I'm glad a studio said, okay, let's play this safe instead of rushing things out, Justice League. Now, yeah, I would agree with that. For our last news topic of the day, it's another one of those 
random ones that we'll get every once in a while that's just like a random just hodgepodge of draw a couple names out of a cup and make a story pitch out of that. So apparently, Taika Waititi, a guy that I think I enjoy his work, I think I've mentioned it once or twice, um, Maybe. he will be tackling really sure about a that. property that is, I'm not going to lie, one of my favorite books of all time as a kid, one of my favorite franchises. He will be tackling not one, but two animated series for Netflix based on Raul Dahl's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. So one more revolving around the world of Willy Wonka and one around the world of the Oompa Loompas. Um, I'm most, I'm mixed to mostly excited uh, because I love Taika Waititi so much. His directorial style is just wacky and different. Um, it's really funny, but there doesn't uh, skimp on emotion in any way. He's just, he's a phenomenal director. I really like his work. That being said, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is really special to me. Um, my copy of the book, granted, I got it like from a used bookstore or somewhere, but my copy of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory is probably like my most worn down and abused book that I still have on my shelves. I have read that so many times. I watched the original Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory so many times as a kid, which really weird side tangent real quick. Why is it that Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original film, spends more time with Charlie as the main character and then the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory movie with Johnny Depp spends more time with Willy Wonka as the main character. That's always just been super weird to me. But um, if you wanted to make me more excited, what you could say is we'd get one animated series about the Oompa Loompas and one animated series just called Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator. Because, y'all, if you thought Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was weird, just wait till you read the sequel. Holy crap. Yeah. <laughs> that got it's real wild. weird. There's like strawberry people. I mean, yeah. <laughs> so I'm... It's it's just the next level. <laughs> I think it being an animated an animated series on Netflix as opposed to like a new film or TV, like a legitimate TV series. Not that animation isn't a legitimate form, but you, you know what I mean. Um, it's less yeah. pressure. It's... Low risk, high reward type of thing. It this could end up being nothing. It could be end up being a huge hit. Um, but given that I love Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I'm still waiting on a 100% faithful adaptation. Willy Wonka is not a tall person. Just saying. Um, but yeah, this is one that I'll at least be curious enough whether it's um, for kids or if it's more like a BoJack Horseman type thing. Which I almost feel it should be. Because, let's be honest, I love Taika Waititi, but he's never made anything for kids. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's not possible, I suppose. Yeah, no, that's very true. Uh, Martin Scorsese did Hugo, that's for kids. Uh, yeah, but it's also really deep, so I don't know if you can count that. <laughs> yes, but it's his only PG movie, so I count it. Yeah, fair enough, I suppose. So, uh, you hear Taika Waititi's doing not one, but two animated series set in the world of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Uh, 
What are your thoughts about that weird combination there, Josh? I mean, why not at this point, man? It's it's Watiti. Like, I think at the end of the day, um, Netflix is just trying anything at this point because they need to bring in more money. Yeah, Netflix right now is that really bad basketball team that just gives it to that one guy in the corner that shoots nothing but threes who's terrible at shooting threes, but they think if they keep shooting the threes, they'll catch up. Yeah, exactly. So, well, and you know what? It might happen. Who knows? Or better yet, they're the guys that you play Madden with that do the Hail Mary every single time. Because one of them have to stick. That's exactly their philosophy. And it's landed them in massive debt. But, um... (laughs) But that's not the point. No. Um, again, I think we'll both check it out. It's just an odd headline. Still, not our weirdest headline. I still think that's Hans Zimmer's doing the music for a Spongebob movie before anything else about the movie was announced. But still, this has to be one of the weirdest, just out-of-left-field picks. I'm wondering if they came to him or if he came to them. Or a little bit of both. I'm not going to lie, actually. If we got a new Willy Wonka movie, like a remake, I would kind of be down with Taika being Willy Wonka. Oh, 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 don't you tease me with that. Like, he's that right kind of weird. Yeah, I, I wouldn't. Mm, he's, yep, yeah, he's right up there Dang with, it, now uh, I've, with now I've the, sown um, the seeds. Yeah, why would you do that? I've Come on, that bud. In the ether. Maybe that's all it'll take. You watch within the next couple of years, that'll be something that he tackles. And you heard it here for first, folks. What, what you watch, it gets announced tomorrow. In which case, <laughs> just nope, we're done. No more podcasts. I retire on that. <laughs> Rock on, dude. Hey, so do you, you got a, a sponsor for this week? Um, hmm. This week's episode is brought to you by Guillermo del Toro's Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. If you want something scarier than Monster House, but not as intense as it, check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. I just showed Heather it a couple hours ago. She enjoyed it. I enjoy it. It is very, very good. If you have not seen Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark and want a good, moderately scary movie, but it's really just a good Halloween-type movie in March... Check out Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark. It's enjoyable. But not one of those type of movies that we'll be discussing today, which is great scenes in bad movies. Yeah. And just to clarify, I think you and I talked about this very briefly. Just because movies are on this list, it doesn't necessarily mean that Nathan or I think they're bad. We just, we know that generally speaking, these movies are not, well received with critics so it they're technically quote unquote bad movies exactly um i have i'll kick us off with the scene um of all the ones on my list i have one scene that i can't say this about any other scene except for this one of actually has left a long lasting impact 
on society as a whole and the people that have watched this. I am dead serious. Um, okay. Josh's ears perked up going, what? Um, and what everyone at home should know this movie is just awful. But it taught you all, do not drive behind logging trucks. Oh, stop. I am talking no, about Final Destination you... 2, the highway scene. Stop. Get away from me with that nonsense. That, oh. Oh, no. This scene has left an indelible mark in society to the point that you see all these memes every once in a while of uh, people on the highway with, like, big trucks carrying, like, big pallets or big uh, cut-down trees, and everyone's going... Yeah, nope. I've seen this movie. I'm not driving behind this. Um, Final yep. Destination 2. Even if it's... Final Destination 2 yeah, is not good. Mm-mm. None of the sequels are good. No. I enjoy all of them, but no. none of them are good. The only good one is the first one. However, this highway scene is just fantastic of how quickly... It is the epitome of the Final Destination of films, of how quickly things can escalate and just go from bad to holy crap, everyone is dead in the most comedically over-the-top ways possible. Oh, dude. Uh, the I remember seeing the last one in the series, in theaters, and then... Uh, that's the NASCAR one, right? Wa- uh, the one with really I think bad that's... 3D. It's the, no, it's the one that ends up being a, uh, a prequel. prequel. Oh, the, um, that one. The fourth one, I think, was the one, the NASCAR one. Maybe. Okay, maybe. I don't know. Regardless, it's the one. It's the one with the the guy that goes to the um, uh, the, 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 the oh, acupuncture place and falls off the table. But the needles the, aren't the, what the kills needles him. are in him. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, but the. The telltale sign in that one, at least, is that the lights flicker. And I we went to a Whataburger after the movie, which is a Texas staple. Um, and I, the the bathroom lights were on motion sensors. And so when I opened the door, it was dark and it took a step in and it the lights flickered and then went on. And I was like, you know, I don't have to go, go to the bathroom that bad. It just closed the door and walked away. So... Uh, I think it's Final Destination 3 that has the roller coaster scene um, with, mm. oddly enough, Mary Elizabeth Weinstead, if I remember correctly. Um, and so, not too long ago, I was on a roller coaster and it like stalled. And it's just like, and the people in front of me got off. So I'm just like, well, it's my time, I guess. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, but going back to Final Destination man. 2, that highway scene has scarred so many people and it's so well done of ridiculously over the top. It's the only thing anybody remembers about that movie is yeah, no, I am not driving behind trucks anymore. Yep. Um speaking of scenes from otherwise forgettable movies, um if I was to say one line from from a very from a movie, I I think you would know You're exactly. You're going to say trick or treat, mother effer, aren't you? Oh no, I'm not. Actually, okay. fun fact. Thanks, appreciate that. Um, I was going to go with the Samuel Jackson line. Actually, I can think of two. I think of either Deep Blue Sea okay. or we're going to fix up this hole, and he gets attacked by the shark. 
which is on my list. I know you're thinking of. I almost put. Okay. The the real question is for those. Not just for Josh, but those listening at home. Do you know the original version or do you know the uh, TV version? <laughs> I know the original version. Well, technically, fun fact, the that's the one from what I understand anyway. The the version with that in it is technically not the theatrical released one. Really? Because they amped it up. Yeah, they, they amped it up and then re-released it. It was originally PG, and then they re-released it. No, it was PG thirteen. It was originally PG thirteen. You, you know thought. what I mean, though. They, well, no, the yeah, studio said that they wanted to make it PG thirteen, and Samuel L. Jackson said, "Um, if it's not R, I walk or something like that. Or if they if you change yeah. the name, I walk." Because it's it's such a ridiculous movie. Oh my goodness! So but obviously, they, we're talking anyway, about snakes on then, a plane here. Yes, because the R version is the one with I'm tired of these MF pl- snakes on this MF plane. Which and I, it's, it, maybe it's because of me. It, I prefer the TV version because one, the dubbing is terrible. But two, he doesn't say mother effer. He says, I'm tired of these monkey fried snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, and it's like the worst dubbing the you've thing. ever seen. And it's like, okay, I don't know which one's worse, monkey fried <laughs> or Monday to Friday. Yo, dude, it's so bad. It's such a bad movie, but and a this weird goes plot saying, too. This goes without saying. I have not seen that movie, but I've seen that scene. That's all I need to see is that yes. scene. Because if you say snakes Correct. on a plane. My butt's on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm gone. Uh, so since you brought it up, you want to talk about uh, Deep Blue Sea real quick? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I struggle with this because I actually kind of enjoy Deep Blue Sea. I know sea, quite but it's a few not, people that it, like Deep Blue Sea, actually. It's, But it's not, it's not a good movie at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but again, poor Samuel L., um, just his scenes are always the best, even if they're bad movies. So Josh, explain the context of this great scene for those that may not be familiar with it. It's a, it happens in like the middle of the movie, doesn't it? Like, it's not even, it, it's trying, the movie fakes you out with like, Hey, we're, it, you start getting the feeling that we're building to a climax. Like a lot of stuff has gone on and, you know, every, all the troops are down to trodden and we need to, you know, band together, which is basically the uh, the the speech that Samuel L. Jackson's character is, is giving is like, like, yeah, we've been through a lot, but we're not going to get we're not going to live if we don't band together. So what we're going to do is we're going to blah, 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 blah. And then it gets cut off because a giant shark flies through an open open pool and just it just it destroys him. <laughs> and it's. I know it's supposed – you can tell the directors wanted it to be like a jump scare, but it, it it is the most comedic thing, I think. I think it's intentional. If it, you can have a comedic jump scare, I think that's the prime example of it. Fair enough. I'll, I'll give you that. It, I, I don't know if I want to give the directors the, the credit 
to of, of to to do an intentionally silly jump scare, but yeah. So, um, Deep Blue Sea, uh, Snakes on a Plane, Final Destination Two, all of those can be counted as horror. I have one other horror movie on my list. Um, again, Josh and I both love this movie, but both of us can fully acknowledge this is a Bad movie by most standards. Um, Jason X. Oh my goodness. How is this possible? <laughs> Jason X. Oh. I put this on record every time I talk about this movie. Jason X has the single greatest kill in the entire Friday the 13th franchise to the point of going, Okay. Okay. Whoever came up with this, are you okay? And do you need to see somebody about this? Oh, this is going to be interesting because we, we we both have Jason X, but I think we might have different scenes. I think we might too. What's your scene? Mine's the holodeck scene where they they're trying to buy time, and so yep, they put him on the different. holodeck, and he ends up. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> what is, so you have the holodeck. For those that don't know at home, what happens on the holodeck? <laughs> so they're trying. The characters trying to buy time, and so they create two really like hot chicks they're like oh jason we're gonna fornicate blah 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 blah," which is like the tell like jason's like no no sex outside of marriage blah 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 blah. and it like cuts away for stuff you know blah 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 character stuff character stuff and it cuts back and he's like impaled one and he's got the other in like a sleeping bag and he's like beating her against like throwing her against the tree and it's the Funniest thing on the face of the planet. Which, I did not catch this the first time I watched Jason X. And I don't even know if you've caught it yet. Um, but when I feel like when he hits um, the simulation against the computer, it doesn't kill the girl. She just keeps going, ow, no. ow, ow. Yeah, it doesn't kill her. <laughs> and like Jason, I think he he knows it. So he just keeps doing it instead of like, you're like, oh, maybe I'm being tricked. <laughs> Which I have a completely different moment actually from Jason X. Um, so uh, like can the I try to guess it? In this movie are um they they revive Jason, who's been in more or less carbonite for hundreds of years. And so the doctor yep. that revives him gets killed by Jason because he dunks her head in dry ice. And it makes it more or less a solid oh, block yes. of ice and then smashes that against a counter. Yes. Who comes okay. up with this? Okay, okay. I thought, see, I thought you were going to do the drill bit scene. The drill bit? Where he throws oh, the on the drill bit. Yeah, on, when he drops drill bit And she's like, and he, she like rotates all the way down. No, I've always <laughs> thought the dry ice thing was just like, who thinks of this? And that's awesome. Like it's yeah, exactly. clever and out there and just all right. That's if nothing else, this movie's really bad. It's at least a fun bad. It, but who oh, thinks dude, of a dry it's ice? So kill? much fun. Well, not just that, but like this guaranteed. Like the director writers of this of Jason X were just like, hey, let's get high and uh, think of uh, think of a movie plot for the, ne- the next Jason movie. Hey, you know, what'd be cool is if Jason had nanites in his blood. Hey, don't yeah, you but be we can't do Uber, that in mar- modern age. 
Oh gosh, it's Which, it's actually, ridiculous. Theoretically, but it's it's great. Theoretically, the ending of Jason X actually sets the timeline back to normal because he crash lands back to Cap Crystal Lake. Yep. <laughs> All right. I'll get this one out of the way because I'm sure there's going to be at least a disagreement about this one. Uh, This is the one that I told Josh ahead of time. There's going to be a movie on my list that um, one of us is going to consider this bad. The other one probably really, really enjoys it. I think this movie's bad. I think Josh has a will probably enjoy this movie because you have a thing for Jet Li. Oh, my goodness. Uh, did you? What movie is it? The one. Holy crap! What is our list right now? Did you put just, the one? Just did you so put this on knows, here? Like we, yeah, just so everyone knows, <laughs> what, what like we made it? our lists like separate and didn't talk to each other. This is crazy to me. What, wait, what's the scene? <laughs> it's the the last scene where yes! it's the one versus many. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> no, okay. Look, uh, let me be clear. I. I love this movie. I fully accept the fact that it is not a good movie. No, <laughs> the fact this is that like they, a, the you leave it on in the background scenes. on TV while you're doing other stuff type of movie. Exactly, but I mean, I'll I'll watch it. Like I, there every now and then, if I need a good laugh, I'll watch that uh, the scene where he breaks out of out of the death sentence because the the mouse bomb goes off and then all of a sudden disturbs playing for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe this oh, is on man. your list. Yeah, dude. No, I. <laughs> it's a terrible movie, but I okay. love the crap out of it. Before, before we geek out anymore, what happens in this scene, Josh? Okay, actually, first, explain what happened. What is the premise of the one, and what is this scene that we're talking about? So the 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 premise of the one it works on the idea that there. are not an infinite amount of di- of dimensions but there's like a lot so um so the yeah so 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 like the idea would be that the bad bad jetly um has been dimension traveling and killing every version of himself and with each one the idea is the power but that is "Quote unquote dispersed." I just realized I said "power" and did air quotes and didn't and like this is a you know <laughs> this is a verbal medium, so you can't see the air quotes. Um, but he the power gets distributed between the ones that are left. So then the movie kind of picks up when there's only two left. Is basically where we're where we're left when the movie kind of gets going is when we realize that, that it's the only good good jet lead and bad jet lead. <laughs> Which is the most so then weird uh, premise eventually ever. he gets he he gets caught. I mean, because you know it's 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 a martial arts movie, so the bad guy has to lose. And so the end of the movie, he has been exiled to not gonna lie, it's probably the same pyramid from Alien versus Predator. Oh, probably. But he I mean, shows up like and all really these inmates are just like idea. a prison. All these inmates are just like you look pretty, boy. And he's just like, I'm nobody's. You are mine. I don't need to know your name. Yep. You need to know mine. Yep. And he just starts beating and them up one by one. But if that wasn't enough of Jet Li single-handedly more or less fighting a planet, isn't it like Disturb just randomly comes on? 
Yep. Like he starts fighting and then he's suffocation. Absurd. Absolutely like the most two thousand scene ever. This side of Daredevil, maybe. Yeah, like the helicopter shot that basically happens, but it's a CGI shot, so it doesn't make sense to have a helicopter shot. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but it's so it's also simultaneously like really, really cool because like when they pan out, you start seeing like the hundreds of people that are slowly making their way up the up the pyramid to fight him. And it's just one of those, like he, this guy's literally so evil that he's just like, I'm gonna fight everyone. And you actually kind of believe that he'll do it. No, exactly. That it, They've built that through, up through the whole movie. Um, I've got a lot of superhero ones, but we'll get back to that. Get those in like one foul soup. Uh, what else you got on your list? So I'll also hold on. I'll, I'll hold on on superhero just just for you. You want to go um, through your Nicolas Cage ones? Because you said you got a couple. I have. I counted them. I have three. <laughs> <laughs> Less the cage. I mean, because it's no cage. secret. It is no secret to anyone that Nathan and I love us some Nicolas Cage. I need a shirt that um, says "Not the Bees." So, Exactly. Um, so actually, speaking of Wicker Man, <laughs> oh no, I think I it's not the B scene. I, I, I actually, you know what? I'm gonna let you guess which scene it is. Is it when he's a bear and he punches a woman? Yep, yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, that's not on my part. list because that's not like a that's a unironically funny moment as opposed to like a genuinely good, but I will always laugh. of Oh, a fully grown Nicholas Cage to be him. in a bear suit punches Sister Beach. Here's the thing, though. It's not a punch. Like, he, like, dicks her. She is out cold. Like, the scene is technically supposed to be him sneaking up on the ceremony. But he, like, and but it's, like everyone sees him there and just runs up. Yeah, it's out of nowhere. And it's out of nowhere, too, because it's not like they don't have anything really before it that shows him, like, putting the suit on, sneaking up or anything. It really just shows um, the sister, like, walking through the forest and all of a sudden this, like, guy in a bear suit runs out of the woods and just decks her and then runs away. It's... It's the best. That scene always makes me laugh so hard, as well as... um, not the bees, but the actually there's one scene in particular that actually makes it's random scene, but makes me laugh even harder. It's um when he's at the bar right before he puts on the bear suit and uh, Lily Solbieski's character tries to attack him and he like roadhouse kicks her into a wall and her weird, yeah. weird, weird like scream squeal that she does as she's being flailed yes. across the room. Oh, my goodness. Or um, how to get burned. or the cameo that i always point out to everyone and they're going wait really is the one that you and i always double back and just laugh at is y'all know that aaron eckhart is in the wicker man but has no lines of dialogue he's in it for three seconds he's just there he's He's in it for three seconds as a patron in a bar and then just leaves and you go looking at it just going is that aaron eckhart it's it's literally like I remember when we did the five good things video for this movie and both of us went 
wait, hold on, and hit the re- <laughs> the re- uh, rewind button. But yeah, no, a, the Wicker Man is all, will always be on a list <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. And you know what's funny is I think eighty percent of uh, Nicholas Cage memes come from the Wicker Man. Probably because that's like that's his room, basically. That's his the room of just masterclass in bad movie humor. It's well, just and beautiful. The thing is, the movie itself, like, honestly, I think if M. Night Shyamalan hadn't directed it, it probably would have been a good movie. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Shyamalan was too busy doing uh, Lady in the Water at the time. Who did Wicker Man then? Somebody that shouldn't have done Wicker Man. Hold on. I've got a... You, you uh, look at up ahead. and stall. I'll talk about yeah. a video game movie. Oh, no. Y'all ever played Doom? What do you have? Oh, I knew this was going to be on your list. I was going to put Prince of Persia, but in all honesty, I'd put that whole movie. I love Prince of Persia. But Doom is terrible. Like, real bad. Um, I have not seen Doom Eternal to know if it's any better. Josh, you told me it's terrible, so I didn't watch it. Um, um, real quick, uh, uh, Doom Annihilation is the film. Doom oh, okay. Eternal is the new game. Okay, good good clarification. I knew, so I knew Eternal that. was a thing of some kind. Yeah. But the scene uh, yeah, question... Some dude... Some dude... Some dude some dude named Neil Laboot. I don't even know. So, Nicholas Cage produced the movie, though. <laughs> poor guy. So, Doom, if oh, you don't man. know, the original video game is, like, I don't know if it was, but it feels like that was one of the very first first-person shooters of, uh, basically, you shoot demons from hell on, in outer space. That's, that's all it is, in first-person shooter. Um, so the movie is pretty bad. This was like early days of the rock, like Scorpion King era. Um, and I was about to say the rundown, but the rundown is actually pretty good. Um, this is like rock is still trying to find his footing. Uh, this movie is just bad. However, there is a scene that does pay homage to the video game in some respects. Uh, so the game is shot. The game is first person shooter. So for a quick scene in the movie, they actually shoot it in first-person shooter. So it's almost like you're watching the game come to life. It doesn't necessarily translate the best to a um, movie. That's something that should be really be left to a video game because you're interacting with it in a movie you're not. But it was cool that they were trying something new. It was a whole lot better than when House of the Dead tried it. Oh, gosh, House of the Dead. Yeah. Um. But Doom is There's entirely no forgettable, except that for that first-person shooter scene. Yeah, no, it, it is good. Um, I just, I hate the CGI in that film so much that I, I couldn't, I, I just can't deal with it. Oh, I totally understand. You have two other Nicolas Cage ones on your list, if I remember right. <laughs> you're just going to keep calling me out like that, huh? Um, yeah, because you looked something up, um, so I was stalling for you. Stalling, get back to the cage. <laughs> <laughs> um do you remember the Probably. right before the finale in Drive Angry that big car chase with all the cops? Okay. 
I can't put Drive Anger as a bad movie. I love that movie. <laughs> it's not a good movie, dude. I I, I, I love it. Tom Atkins is in it. it <laughs> but the, the very specifically the scene where they ramp the car that they're driving <laughs> over the entire blockade of, of cops. I don't think like they like use like explosives or something to launch them. And it makes no sense at all how they pull it off, but they like send their car flying and it does like a barrel roll in the air and they just land and keep going. <laughs> Oh, that movie is just ridiculously amazing from that that one extra with the worst wig of all time that was so distractingly bad. Yes. To and I'll say that, honestly William Fickner's best performance as the villain, as the accountant. The cheese, dude. Although technically um, he's he's not a villain. True. Um tease for one of my big ones later. This is not the last time we will see William Fickner today. Oh, no. I will say, honestly, actually, in Drive Angry, the um, scene where our main girl finds out her man's cheating is pretty great. I'm trying to remember that scene. It's been a while since I've seen Drive Angry. Yeah, because she, like, legit, like, wrecks him. Like, drops, I think she, if I remember right, she drops, like, an AC unit on him. Huh. So like the real Amber Heard would do. Yeah. All right. So last Nicolas Cage for today. I think I know what it is. Give a visible. Oh yeah. I'll let you guess what you got. Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Oh, close. First Ghost Rider. And his, the first time he, he actually turns into the rider. Okay. Yeah. I'll give you that. That's a great scene. Wait, good. It's incredible with him. Like he, he takes those steps and the flames come out and you can tell like it's painful, but he's like, there's some kind of madness to it as well as his skin, like, like this just disintegrates off of his face. It's, it's an incredible scene that does not belong in the trash heap of movie that it's in. No, I thought you were going to say the best scene is when he's randomly eating jelly beans out of a martini glass, watching monkey fails. Oh my goodness. Stop. Okay. No, that'll um, transition us perfectly into my superhero segment because you have Ghost Rider. Yeah. I have Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. Nice. The sequel, that which really is funny a if we had thousand the same times movie. worse. Oh, dude. It, it's bad when you can tell even Nicolas Cage doesn't care about the movie. However, there's one scene that, like, reeks of awesome and it was like why you had such an interesting premise here whoever did this scene should have done the whole movie um so the trick with the ghost rider is a i don't know if it's true in the comics or not i don't know ghost rider mythology as well as other characters uh basically whatever he rides becomes like his ghost rider vehicle. It's like becomes inflamed and whatnot. So normally it's his motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's surrounded by goons in his construction yard. You know what yes, I'm going, Josh? I know what scene you're about to do. Yeah. Yes, I do. So there's a big, huge, um, in the construction site, there's this big, huge, uh, I think it's like a drill, um, 
Some big it's heavy a giant machinery. saw. Yeah, it's a big saw of some kind. Like big, huge, massive, almost like crane size. That since he's operating it, it the it's gonna sound so weird. The spirit of the ghost rider overtakes that machine to the point that he's more or less piloting a gigantic flaming chainsaw. I just... How? And thank you so much. (laughs) It's beautiful. Because it's like out of nowhere. The movie's just terrible and then flaming chainsaw of act the like their whole budget probably went to that the best action set piece in that whole movie and then the rest of the movie just goes back to being boring but don't see the movie just google that one video and you're welcome it is ridiculously over the top and wonderful all at the same time it is oh absolutely so we're i i have a couple kind of throwaway ones that they're just great scenes and really not in like okay movies uh before i start getting to some my my, my heavy hitters all right i got i have four really heavy hitters here all right what what are some of your throwaways so uh (laughs) Have you ever seen G.I. Joe Retaliation? <laughs> I unfortunately have seen both of them, and I hate them so much. Yes. Yes. But that scene on the cliffside where Snake Eyes is running, literally like running on the side of the of the um of the cliff, fighting like a group of ninja is literally one of my favorite things that that, that franchise has ever given me. <laughs> I completely agree. Um, and actually, piggybacking that, you give me a perfect segue. Um, Josh, enlighten us. Who was the actor under the Snake Eyes mask? Oh, um, Dagum, I know where you're going with this. Um, Who else has he but played? I can't remember. Him. Oh, he plays Toad in X Men. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're going. He Mr. also Duel played over there. Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. And even no, the biggest yes. prequel haters of all time have to admit the Darth Maul fight at the end is like the best thing about Phantom Menace. It really is. And honestly, I wish, I really wish that George had had the balls to make it all one scene like all one scene all one cut oh man could you imagine Mm. like a 15 minute scene of just no cut of qui-gon obi-wan and darth maul battling through i know but this is what i need nathan (laughs) which i'm sure that scene is is helped by and i'm gonna say it one of, if not the greatest track for Star Wars that John Williams ever did with Duel of the Fates. Oh, absolutely. It's that one of the has best. only gotten better with time. Um, that is beautiful. Oh, I agree. And granted, all the jokes that have come with it are, are fantastic as well with what the actual lyrics are. Um, <laughs> it's like a uh, my uh, last not, uh, a circle of life. No one knows the lyrics. So you just make them up. 
exactly. Uh, my last kind of throwaway quote unquote movie uh, for this before I get some couple heavy ones. Um, the I I don't actually know how you feel about Hot Rod. Never seen it. Really? Okay. It is not well received, <laughs> but it is my family's favorite movie. Um, we quote it to no end. Uh, the final fist fight in the movie between uh, the, the uh, Adam Andy Samberg's character and his dad. Uh, basically, the movie's building up the whole whole point because his, his 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 it's his stepdad, and he fe- Andy's character feels that if he's not if he can't defeat his his stepdad in a, in a fist fight, then he's not a real man. Um, so they have like several fights throughout the movie and, um, he beats the crap out of him every time, uh, to the point, but then he, his dad, his stepdad gets sick and he has to do one last stunt in order to save all the money, blah, blah, blah. So he ends up saving his dad, his stepdad. And then he's like, all right, it's time to go. And he ends up. Like he, what is earlier in the movie? Like it, he learns a move that from like yoga or something that if you hit somebody in a very specific spot, it makes them poop their pants. And so he pulls that out of nowhere at the end of the fight. And the dad is played by, um, oh, daggum. You know, the prophet in uh, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson's Hercules movie. I forget that movie happened. I can't remember his name at the top of my head, but have you, you know, what I'm talking about though. No. I can't remember his name, but he, he's like a pretty well distinct, distinguished actor, actor. Um, but he ends up like himself or crap. He ends up pooping his pants. Yep, <laughs> he ends up pooping his pants like in, in this film, and it's it, it's hilarious. All right, I have not seen Hot Rod now. Now I'm curious. I have to see this. Uh, Ian McShane. Oh yeah, um, he's in everything. Yeah, that's the guy that plays that plays the dad, and it ends up crap uh, crapping his pants. There you go. <laughs> um. What are what are oh, your other boy. throwaways? Uh, that's my last kind of throwaway. Uh, as right. far as like things that that are are not that big of a deal. Uh, these last ones that I the last three that I have anyway were kind of for me something in movie in the movie that legitimately kind of changed the way I thought of, thought about that film. All right. Well. We'll double back to that because I've got some superhero ones and then I also have like three really big ones of like prime examples of these are move these are scenes that absolutely belong in other movies because of how good they are. Um Yeah, so absolutely. Not some throwaway ones, but just they're tied together because they're in superhero movies. Um Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer is awful. Ooh, However, yeah. The introduction to the Silver Surfer and the chase scene with the Human Torch is phenomenal. Yeah, man, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Don't watch it. Uh, it's. 
I remember in the build-up to this movie coming out, literally all the trailers, TV spots, and even some of the posters showed that cool shot of the Silver Surfer literally, like, bending reality to go through the Chrysler building. That still looks awesome to this day. And I know at some point we will have the Silver Surfer in the MCU. It's actually going to be kind of hard for them to get a better design and better voice actor than they did for Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer. He looked phenomenal. Uh, voiced by Lawrence Fishburne. Hard to not be excited about that. Uh, and that yeah. scene with the Human Torch, Chris Evans, is really, really well done. The rest of the movie's not great, but that's a really fun chase scene. Uh, I've always liked Chris Evans as the Human Torch. It's a great scene. Um, I have... Batman versus Superman. I, mm, oh. I despise this movie so much. This is this is one of the ones that I have. Yeah, you. I'm. It's probably that warehouse scene. Yeah, it is that warehouse scene. You want to talk about this later? In this is this one of your big all. ones? Yeah, this is one of my big ones. All right, we could save this for me, later like, because yeah, warehouse scene is phenomenal. Um, oh, absolutely. Don't worry, though. It's not the only Batman-related scene that I have on my list. Last week, we did five good things about Batman and Robin, and there was a scene that I said that I would talk about more this week, and so we've come now to it. Um, There's a phenomenal scene. Like, this scene deserves to be in a better movie because both actors are giving 100%. And it is where... So throughout most of the movie, Alfred is sick to dying, essentially. And Bruce Wayne has to cope with the fact that Alfred may not be around forever. And so, um, late one night, Bruce is just talking at Alfred's side about the mission of Batman. And Alfred's just like, ever since your parents got shot, you've made it your mission to make sure um, no one ever dies again. You've made it your mission to stop death. And, but, and then Bruce is just like, but I can't stop it, can I? Uh, and then Alfred's like, none of us can, but it's still a worthy cause that you do or something to that extent of like this actual yeah. genuine heart to heart in a movie that was so ridiculous, ridiculous and cartoonish and over the top to have a really subtle and subdued and really emotion driven scene is actually really, really impressive. And Michael Goff as Alfred knocked it out of the park. And it's one of the few scenes that George Clooney actually felt like he was trying in it. Um, a lot of Batman Robin, he just phones it in. But that one scene, I feel like both actors were just locked in. And it really sums up the ideology of Batman really, really well. That at the end of the day, yes, you can save as many people as you want. People still die. And we have to be willing to accept that, but still press on with what we're assigned to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great scene. It really is. Now I'm down to my last three, my big three. Um, so... I will segue this out of this by saying the best scene ever in a bad comic book movie. It's a weird distinction, um, but all I only have to say three words, and Josh will know exactly which scene I'm talking about. Spider-Man 3. Yep, it's on my list. Let's go, buddy. Let's go. <laughs> of course oh. it is. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh, you want to talk about it now? 
Uh, are, uh, just to make sure, we're talking Sandman, yeah? Of course. Holy crap. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Dude. That's funny. Look, and I know... I know you and I have talked about Spider-Man three and like you may have had come to the conclusion that it's not as bad as you think, as everyone says it is, but I, I really dislike this film. However, Sandman is the strongest thing about it. Specific, specifically, specifically when he, the the Hulk. (laughs) No, I do not. Um, especially not on a PG show, apparently. Um, (laughs) Uh, but the scene where he Sandman is actually created to me at least is one of the most powerful scenes in the whole film in the whole trilogy honestly oh absolutely the fact that he can't shape his body until he because he wants to hold the locket that is of his of his daughter and so that, that's what pushes him to figure out how to keep his body solid what I appreciate is the fact that that scene has literally zero dialogue. It's all the phenomenal mm-hmm. music by Danny Elfman. Um, and yes, CGI has come a long way since 2007 when the movie was released. But even then, the CGI was at the point that you can get just the most minor of um, facial features from the sand that you can get the emotion mm-hmm. that he's feeling in that moment, the sadness, the weight of just the realization that more or less you are a monster now. Um, you are, yeah. you're, the life that you knew is completely gone. And there's so much that's happening in that scene, such strong emotion and such a short scene, but it's so incredibly powerful. It's, it belongs in a different movie, in all honesty. It's so good. It is. And honestly, I would say Sandman is one of probably the best thing about that film. Easily. From Thomas Hayden Church's performance to the overall costume design. Like, he's ripped right out of the comics. Granted, it's just a striped shirt. But still, he's excellent. Um, and then Peter and him reconciling at the end. Great. Mm-hmm. Sandman just as a whole. But that creation of Sandman, just perfect. Uh, since we talked about Absolutely. earlier, you want to talk about the warehouse fight? Absolutely. It is the most Batman Batman that ever Batman. <laughs> it is a live action version of fighting in the Arkham games. It really is, but it's so good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Uh, up until go for it, buddy. Up until tell, Bruce tell sets somebody happens. on fire. No, I'm down all the way. <laughs> I am here for it. No, Batman is not the Punisher. That's where you're wrong. <laughs> also, he totally kills those people in the warehouse, depending on which cut you watch. Oh, dude. Um, here's the thing, uh, something that I think I'm trying to remember what animated movie it was. Um, oh, I, got but you. I think, I think, I think, cause I think, you know, what film I'm talking about. There's a scene, I think it's Dick. I think he's, t- he's calling Batman out of like, you say, you claim to do this no killing thing, but you legitimately cripple people. 
Uh, I'm trying. I don't to... remember that from one of the animated ones, you... but I, I definitely know that interaction has happened. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what it's from, but I don't think like it's that, from an animated. Me, that's I think you're been... thinking of uh, the episode "Things Change" from the animated series when it kind of explains why Robin left. Maybe, which is such an oddly Maybe. specific detail, but of course, I know that episode by heart. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it's not that, but I can't remember what it, else it would be from. So we'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, it's it. I, that was the one thing reason I was kind of okay with it. Like I don't think anybody in that scene is quote unquote dead, but I don't think they're walking what cut anymore. You're watching. If you're watching um, the theatrical cut, yeah. they might be alive. In the director's cut, it's very clear he kills a couple of them because that there's that shot where he like throws a box or something at a guy and he like smashes against a wall. In the director's cut, there's like blood spatter on the back of his head. So that fool got wrecked. Oh, he's dead, dead. Yeah, he's dead, dead. Yes. Uh, but oh, uh, the scene is great because it like it was combat that we hadn't seen before of great hand to hand, but also technology as well as hand-to-hand um like i said it's the argument you diffuse the guns in the room before you go hand-to-hand with anybody yeah it 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 felt like batman batman like using his gadgets to his advantage it's it's why people were scared of him and like that's that's what i like you kind of got that earlier when he brands that dude but like you didn't get that feeling like you did in this warehouse scene where it, it like this is Batman do at his best. Yes. Um, I had some issues with the overall portrayal of Batman, none of which were Ben Affleck's fault. I thought he was a phenomenal Batman. I thought it was on Zack Snyder's end of understanding the character that definitely had some issues with, but that whole warehouse scene fight is one of the best live action Batman moments we've ever seen. Um, yes. Now, this next one for me is the epitome of just great scene that almost redeemed a terrible snooze fest of a movie. And honestly, this scene in particular, above any others that we talk about today, was actually the inspiration for uh, today's discussion. It's such an out-of-left-field pick. And I don't even think you've seen this movie or the scene in question. But if you have, it's literally the only exciting and good thing in the Lone Ranger. Oh, I've heard of this scene, but I haven't. I had no, no like desire to see the Lone Ranger. So good for you. It's terrible. It's very boring. Um, so <laughs> this movie is so dull and lifeless and boring. It is way longer than it needs to be. Like Pirates of the Caribbean too long which honorable mention to that um uh sword fight on the wheel in pirates 2 oh good stuff which i still don't think that's that bad of a movie so i didn't talk about here uh but the lone ranger is ridiculously long and it doesn't have to be and most of it's incredibly dull and boring and forgets to be a fun action movie but when it does oh boy is it fun in particular I did not grow up watching The Lone Ranger. Um, Not a really big Western person. That being said, whether you realize it or not, you know the theme to The Lone Ranger. You just might not know it's called the theme to The Lone Ranger. It's that 
So, all hell starts breaking loose during this like train chase. There's like gunfire and everything else. Uh, a big explosion happens, and then you see Army Hammer, who Hollywood, let's give him another chance, please, just because he had some projects fail. It wasn't his fault. Let's, let's, uh, he shows up as the Lone Ranger to save the day and starts this epic train chase. All the while, while the classic Lone Ranger music is just blaring. It is fun. It is epic. The action is creative and just really engaging. Something the entire movie was missing. Uh, I've watched that clip over and over again on YouTube. And all the comments are, yep, this is the one good scene in the whole movie. Uh, I fell asleep through most of it. And this song was what woke me up. Um, Skip the whole movie, but see this scene. And I completely agree. Uh, it's the epitome of just outstanding scene of why couldn't you match the fun and excitement that is in this scene with the rest of the movie? But they failed in that. And also, again, I'll harp on it again. Who thought Johnny Depp as Tonto was a good idea? Uh, <laughs> but if you have not seen it, just look up the scene from Lone Ranger, the chase scene, because it's, outstanding uh you got what one or two left josh for your major ones i have one left sweet i have one left too what's your big last one my big last one for me was uh, it was a scene for me that changed the rest the the rest of the film it happens in like the last 15 20 minutes of the film and up to that point the film been like it was fun it just it wasn't what i it wasn't exactly what i wanted um but then our four heroes get into an elevator (gasps) and just all, all of a sudden completely become exactly who they were supposed to be and then charge out of that elevator to go fight Shredder. And in 2014, uh, the Teenage Ninja Turtles movie, that elevator scene legitimately changed the rest of that film for me. <laughs> this is now the third time we've had William Fickner on this list. Lone Ranger, Ninja Turtles. Yes, it is. And Drive Angry. Yep. But that, that scene is just the best um i mean if if both the teenage Mutant Ninja turtles movies that recently came out if they did anything right it was the turtles while the design of them might have been horrifying you know, some controversial and to some to some yes horrifying. the personalities were spot on i'll also say the, the especially cast. in the ele- elevator scene in the first one into yes I still believe Ninja Turtles is one of the biggest examples of obvious reshoots. Um, I still firmly believe that William Fickner's character was supposed to be Shredder because Mm -hmm. we never see who's in the suit. Yes. And And honestly, like given how the movie is built. Yeah. And like given how the movie is built, I honestly don't have a problem with that. And his name is Eric Sachs, which sounds a lot like an Americanized version of Oroku Saki. Mm-hmm. Which is Shredder's name. Um, I did think it was weird that it was like one scene in passing that 
Shredder and Splinter and Master Splinter have this long storied history. In the movie, it's just like, we might know each other, but diehard fans will know that, so we don't have to address that. And in the movie, I'm like, no, no, you need to address that because address that because you've changed a lot of the lore. But yes, I will agree that the elevator scene in the first Ninja Turtles is like the only good scene about that movie that I like. Other than that, I I have very strong feelings about that movie. I do not enjoy it at all. They butchered my turtles. I actually prefer Out of the Shadows. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't disagree with you. What's weird though is that that animated one is, I think, my favorite of the most recent films that have come out. The two thousand seven one, just the TMNT. Yeah, yeah, that is, one's it's good. a lot of fun. What's your uh, What's your final one there, pal? It is one that I'll send you after this because I think you actually would really enjoy it and need to check it out. Um, it's one that I'm actually really sad that the franchise that it belongs to never address this scene because this one scene actually encapsulates one of the major themes that's addressed throughout the entire franchise. Uh, but given that it was in the worst film of the entire franchise, they kind of want you to forget all about it, which is sad because while Rocky five is bad, there's one like, crazy good scene that is probably one of the best scenes in the entire franchise. So, oh, like I said, Rocky Five is easily, and Sylvester Stallone will even tell you, it is easily the worst movie in all of the Rocky franchise. Uh, but the premise of Five is after the Drago fight, he suffered severe brain damage, something they completely ignored for Rocky Balboa. Um, and Due to somebody, like some money guy, uh, they are completely broke and they, yeah, they're completely broke. Like, they have to go back to Philly from the very first Rocky, like the slummy part of um, Philadelphia. So Rocky's like at the all-time lowest point in his life and he goes back to Mickey's gym. Now, obviously, spoiler alert, Mickey died in three, had a heart attack before the Clubber Lang fight. Uh, and so there's no one to take care of Mickey's gym. It is old, decrepit. It's basically just awful. It looks like a place where druggies would hang out. There's only like a single punching bag left and a single dusty, moldy, um, glove that hasn't been touched in years. But to Rocky, that was once his home. And so he cares about it a lot. So he goes back there just to kind of clear his head and he uh, looks off into the corner of where the boxing ring used to be, and he remembers the memories that he had with Mickey, and it's a completely new scene that was never seen in any of the previous movies. They even got Burgess Meredith to come back, um, and some of the dialogue that he says is some of the most profound stuff that's ever said, including Rocky Balboa, in the entire Rocky franchise. Um, of Mickey, this is he has a flashback to right before the very first Apollo Creed fight when he's training with Mickey. So right before the big events of the first film. Uh, and Mickey's just like, uh, kid, I just wanted to let you know how proud of you I am for this fight. You give me, what, what do they call it? Motivation. I think if you weren't in this fight and if I wasn't in your corner, I think I would be dead because nature knows 
when it's our time to go. Nature's smarter than we think, and we people just don't realize it. But you give me motivation, um, and I want to give you this thing. And he takes off this necklace that he's got. He's like, Rocky Marciano gave me this. It's his cufflink, and I want you to have it because it's the most precious thing in the world to me. And whenever you see this, whenever you think of it, this little angel's going to whisper in your ear, get up, you son of a... Because Mickey loves you. And it's just this reflection of, over time, everything dies, but the ones that we love are never gone, which is a really big theme for Rocky. Obviously, that's everyone in Rocky's life has died. Uh, Mickey, Adrian, Polly, Apollo. Uh, and this was a nice callback of just like, Mickey was always there. It was this great callback with a lot of emotion of, you can forget all about Rocky Five, but see that one scene, and it's it's completely different ballgame of almost a precursor to the <laughs> powerful emotion that you would get in a Rocky Balboa type. Um, so, yeah, after this, I'll send it oh, to wow. you, and it's so good. How good is it? <laughs> I'm kidding. So good, it actually only made me want to watch Rocky Five, and then I remembered, oh, yeah, that's the one with Tommy the Machine Five. Gun. Yeah. Let's uh, let's avoid that one there, pal. It's so bad. Uh, well, what do you guys think at home? What are some of your favorite uh, great scenes from bad movies? Let us know in the comments below. We always like hearing from you guys. And as always, if you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. And if you haven't already, subscribe to us on YouTube at Uncharted Media. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.